Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Laura Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness. Today we have another solo episode for you, and then next week we're getting back to the interviews. Thank you so much for everyone who offered their feedback because it was actually really nice to hear that people really enjoy a mix of both. People Mm. have been saying that after last week's episode, we got a lot of feedback on our uh, Instagram page that people said we really liked going back to the solo, but we also like the interviews. Like most people said they really like a mix. So yeah, I thought you were going to start off this episode with today. We have another special guest. <laughs> us. <laughs> Just us. Um, yeah. So we're going to get back to interviews next week. We have one lined up for early next week, which will then be ready to be broadcast, broadcast, published. Broadcasted. Uh, yeah. Broadcast to the world. Yeah. Yeah. By next week. <laughs> it's really confusing when we talk about which, what's happening when because we always record these. Obviously, we don't like record them and then release them on the same day. At so 6 we're yep. typically <laughs> recording them the like week before or a couple weeks before. So I'm always like, where are we going to be at this point when you're actually listening to this episode? It's a little bit confusing. <laughs> One day we'll be like, we'll have our stuff together to the point where we'll have like those themed episodes. Like we could have had a Halloween themed oh, episode yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But Yeah, but we can't even figure out what day of the week yeah. it is. <laughs> um, um, we sound like a broken record, but we are coming off a another week of sicknesses. Uh, <laughs> last time it was RSV. This time it was a stomach bug. There's a stomach bug going around the schools. And basically the whole family got a 24-hour thing going on. Yeah, thankfully it was quick. Yeah, and luckily it wasn't uh, what you would typically would imagine happens with a stomach <laughs> bug. It was more like just, just cramps and just, you know, uncomfortableness in the midsection. <laughs> But no, uh, no, nothing coming out on either side. Oh, God, you're getting so specific. <laughs> but actually, at least you're saying it, that it wasn't happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, it wasn't happening for us, but for Lauren. No. <laughs> definitely happening no um but we got the we got a message from their daycare that was like we have 12 students out today with a stomach bug we were like oh my god and we hadn't really been noticing it yet but we both kind of were feeling off and we were like no, no. <laughs> impending doom yeah so it's been a it's been a uneventful eventful week for yeah, us it's true <laughs> like not a lot of work has gotten done but a lot of things have happened. no working out has been getting done but we'll be back next week we'll be back next week yep and we just move on we just move forward move forward we have to take a lot of our own advice these days yeah <laughs> this podcast is for us <laughs> um all right so let's talk about today's topic so today we wanted to talk about how our approach to programming for ourselves and for our clients has evolved over the years and kind of walk through some of the different um, trajectories that we have been through, some of the different um, dogma that we have ascribed to, and just talk about how we've developed this more um, well-rounded, I would say, approach Mm -hmm. to training ourselves and to training the people that we coach. So Um, I think it could be beneficial just to hear like you may be in a different point of your training right now. And I don't want to sound like the like old wise (laughs) (laughs) personal trainer, personal trainer. But it's like I we have had just a lot of different experiences and a lot of different stages of our training careers and our training lives that we feel like now we have a better understanding of how all of it can work together as opposed to having different camps. Yes. As opposed to feeling like you have to be in a specific camp or Mm -hmm. you have to be, yeah, you have to be a power lifter or you have to be a bodybuilder or you have to be a spin person. Like it just feeling like we can figure out, we've figured out ways to bring them all together. Yeah. I feel like what's funny is that I feel like a lot of people have talked to us about us not being overly dogmatic about different matters and not having 
different blanket statements about things. And the fact of the matter is like we're 15 or 16 years into this and we've had our fair share of dogmatic beliefs along the way that now at this point we've kind of shed and have understood that there's a lot more to the picture than just, you know, one little belief here and there. Um, But yeah, we wanted to share this episode because we've we want to basically share our dogmatic approaches along the way and how that has led us to be less dogmatic. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I, that's why I was like, I don't want to sound like just like the old wise like strength coach because like yeah. I don't want to pretend like we're on this pedestal and like we... We've never been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this, we've only come to this because we've gone through all of those stages and we're not even like, we're not even mad at you if you're, <laughs> if you're like, no, I'm a powerlifter. I only want to powerlift and I'm only going to train people in powerlifting. Like, and also that's fine if that's mm-hmm. always going to be the case because maybe that is actually the specific niche that you're in. But a lot of times coaches who are training general population people still fall into those end up like falling into those camps even though that might not be the best way to go about training your general public yeah especially if that isn't even their end goal largely we found that the general population just wants to be just a generally fitter more healthier version of themselves not competing on a stage for whatever niche that trainer is in yeah or like or like performing a specific lift in a perfect way for a per- specific certification that they're never going to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some of the different phases that we've been through and how we have kept some of the best parts mm-hmm. and then what we've sort of let go of in terms of what might be a little bit dogmatic or a little bit too much in terms of training uh, ourselves and other general population people. Yeah. So our journey begins. Well, <coughs> frog. So our journey begins (laughs) with, uh, I think this is where everyone's journey begins because it's the lowest barrier, uh, which was bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. right? At the time, the magazines were just filled with muscle and fitness, men's fitness, women's fitness. Like it was all centered around bodybuilding. And that's just what we knew. That's like the only way that really most people knew how to train, especially before the internet and message boards and forums and like that sort of stuff came along. It was mainly all about bodybuilding. Yeah. I remember like, I didn't even really know it was bodybuilding. Yeah. But I just knew that it was It was synonymous with working out, right? Yeah, That's exactly. just all you did. Yeah. Exactly. I really didn't think that I was, I definitely wasn't like, I'm trying to be a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. It was just like, this is how everybody says you should work out. And mm-hmm. it was all body part splits. So that was, I remember like my early workouts were like, okay, I have to do something for my biceps, something for my triceps, something for my shoulders, something for, like it was all just very much like breaking your body down into muscle groups. Um, so not even body, body part splits, but like muscle group splits. Yeah. Um, and that was just commonplace in how to, how to go to the gym and how to work out. Yeah. And I feel like that was probably for at least my sort of early on training career, it was probably, let's say, I think the first five or six years of my training career were revolved around bodybuilding lifts and trying to be as basically as big and as muscular as possible. Do you mean your career in terms of like being a trainer or just being a fit person? Just just, just lifting, my okay, lifting yeah. <laughs> career. Yeah, I started lifting when I was, I think, 13 or so. And it kept going until I was around 19, where it was just all bodybuilding all the time. Yeah. And some, the, the thing that I really noticed was, yes, these body parts were getting bigger, but I reached a plateau fairly quickly. And what really became this sort of like... Um, 
plateauing factor for me were, were my uh, strength levels. And so with bodybuilding, I would always stick around like these higher rep ranges, trying to get a good pump and just doing pre-fatigue, like doing drop sets. Like it was all centered around high reps, high blood flow to these muscle group areas. And I felt like I could never improve upon the classic lifts like bench and squat and deadlift. And it was always a, a, a factor for me. So I had been bodybuilding for, I don't know, five or six years or so. And after that point or during that point, I was starting to get some information in through like blog posts and articles. Like that's when information was really being shared readily online. And I came across uh, a book called Core Performance. And I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but in that book, it had, it, it talked about basically training for athletic performance and not just for aesthetics and building muscle. And had all sorts of stuff like core training, pillar training, unilateral strength. Uh, just, I mean, it was revolutionary at the mm. time. And it really opened my eyes to me like, oh, you know what? I'm not actually getting stronger. I'm not getting more athletic. In fact, I'm pulling more muscles. I'm not, I'm feeling like my lower back when I shouldn't. And I, 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 at the time I had some pretty bad back pain and I was pulling some muscles and I wasn't getting stronger either. And so it was like all these like little clues were kind of breaking my belief system that bodybuilding was the only way. And finally this book came along and I was like, oh, there's this whole other way to train that is more than just doing like back and biceps and chest and triceps and doing legs and abs and like devoting entire days to singular body parts. There's a much more functional way to train. And I think at that time, I it was like, I ran over to you and like I showed you the book. And then we started researching similar authors and similar blog post authors. And we just went through this entire rabbit hole where we suddenly started really exploring sports performance and true strength training. Yeah, exactly. That was so, I mean, I remember, I feel like I can put myself back in the gym that we were standing in. I remember you showing me the book, like you, your mind was blown. <laughs> Shook. <laughs> and we were like, oh, this makes so much sense. And like, for me, we had very different training goals at the time. And I've talked about this on the podcast as well. But for me, everything was about trying to lose weight. And so mm. I was like pairing bodybuilding with a ton of cardio. Yeah. And also, similarly to you, just like not feeling good. Like I felt broken down for various different reasons, even than you. Like I never had necessarily back pain, but I definitely had just like general fatigue, I feel like. Like I was constantly just running myself into the ground with a ton of cardio and then just lifting kind of like light weights for high reps, like you said, and not feeling strong, but not even really realizing how important strength really was or like true strength. Mm -hmm. Like to me, being strong was like how much you could bicep curl. Yeah. Like I didn't really understand what the benefit of being like overall strong was. And then when you brought this book up, it was like just this whole just broader understanding of the human body and like why do you train and what it means to be functionally fit. And there were, it was it was very mind blowing for both of us. Yeah, and so we went down this entire rabbit hole of sports performance. And the funny thing at the time was sports performance, like the main way that people really strength train outside of like the unilateral lifts and some power development and things like that was really powerlifting. Right. And I think this was, it's funny because now I think those are kind of like 
almost competing in some ways. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, Facebook was very much the dominant social media presence. And people really like gained uh, notoriety and like reputation based upon how strong they were, which is mm -hmm. really funny. And so we would see these blog post authors and article authors and Facebook posters gain a lot of credibility because they were lifting so much weight. And that's kind of like what really got us into both the powerlifting and the sports performance realm. Right. And so we went into powerlifting heavy for probably three, four, five years. I mean, for, for a while after Yeah, and that. I would say with all of these, it's funny. I mean, you'll hear at the end, I guess, how they all come together. But like we've never gotten necessarily out of any of That's them. That's true, yeah. Well, we have at times. Like when we first switched, made this switch from bodybuilding to like sports performance and powerlifting, we then started demonizing bodybuilding. Yes. We were like, bodybuilding is stupid. It does nothing for you. It's so like it's so backwards. Like everything about it is wrong. So we very much just flipped the script. <laughs> totally, yeah. It's not functional. You need to work movement patterns, not muscle parts. And we we did that for a long time. A we long demonized time. bodybuilding and we put powerlifting sports performance on this pedestal that was actually like this true strength that you can express on the field and in the gym and all that. Right. And so for powerlifting, like when you say we were in it for a certain amount of time, what you mean, what I know you mean is we were solely focused on squat, bench, and deadlift as the primary um, factors in whether we were strong, fit, capable. Like, that was it. Yeah, and everything else were to support those lifts. Yes. They were accessories for those lifts, and they were compound movements. And we never did isolation moves to help out those compound movements. So it was always like, okay, if we're going to do a squat day, like, we're also going to have, like, Bulgarians and RDLs and just other heavy compound movements that were really draining and taxing. Right. <laughs> and so initially, when we move, made the switch from bodybuilding to powerlifting, it was actually amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got so strong so quickly, and the gains came really quick. But then I would say maybe a couple of years in, it started getting really intense because in order for us to keep progressing, we either had to lift heavier or we had to increase our frequency. And at that time, we were just in the early stages of our personal training careers, and we were putting in lots of hours training early in the morning, training until like like personal training, like working early in the morning until late at night. And we, first of all, had low resources in terms of just overall energy and output. And then we wanted to increase our workout intensity in terms of load as well as frequency. And it was just kind of like a recipe for disaster because yeah. we were like, we were so sleep deprived, mentally drained. And then we'd be like, okay, now I have to gear up for a heavy five sets of five back squat. And you have to do three or four warm up sets on top of that. And then like do a whole slew of lower body compound movements after that. <laughs> and it was like, oh my goodness. I'm First of all, I'm dreading my workouts. I feel stiff. I feel horrible. My joints don't feel good. Nothing about this is good. The workouts are taking close to two hours. Like mm -hmm. it was this whole onslaught that we went about for a long time. And it was weird because our clients and members were experiencing great gains, yeah. right? And we were in this sort of like plateau and not feeling good about ourselves kind of situation, yeah. right? And so we were like, oh yeah, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. While internally we're like, we don't even want to is do this. this. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we we really don't want to do this heavy set of deadlifts right now. Yeah. 
And but we we do remember when it was really exciting to do a heavy set of deadlifts, right? Yeah. Which is why, like, that's what our clients were experiencing when when it was like like at the beginning, what you just said, like the gains were coming fast, like you're getting stronger, you're feeling empowered, like all of those feelings are amazing in yeah. the beginning. And we were at the we were just on the other side of that mountain. <laughs> yeah, and then not only that, it's like other again those other coaches out there on Facebook that were gaining this like credibility, and we we're like. Is something wrong with us? Mm. Like, what's going on? Like, why can't we push past these strength, like, plateaus and stuff? And we were kind of, like, in that weird middle ground for quite a while there. Yeah. And then, I guess, that's when we started to discover uh, kettlebell training. Yeah. And kettlebell training got introduced to us by a few different mentors and we fell in love with that yeah. really quickly as well. We did it's, our first RKC, which is Russian Kettlebell Certification, in 2010 or 2011? 2011. Okay. But we were training all throughout 2010, and yeah. we were loving it. Yeah. It was so fun. It was so different. It felt light. It felt, but still strong. Like, it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So with bodybuilding, it was all dumbbells and barbells. Powerlifting, it was primarily barbells. And so kettlebells is the first time where you're truly reacting to the object or the tool. Like you're flinging it up in the air, you're cleaning it, you're catching it, you're flowing into different movements, and you really have to be in tune with the bell. Whereas barbells and dumbbells, you kind of can just brute strength your way into it. Mm. So when we first were learning kettlebells, kettlebell swinging, kettlebell snatching, like we were so often awkward with it because we were trying to brute strength our way through a move that actually required a lot of finesse yeah and so when we started getting it and like really like understanding the motion it was became very addictive because it was like you know it just became like oh this is obviously the next level the next tier of training we are awesome kettlebell (laughs) grievix (laughs) grievix it's gearovic gearovic no it's gearovic all right, I guess that's Grievic? probably the exact Russian way to say it, but <laughs> I've heard Grievix. Grievix? Yeah, we need a fact check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. anyway. <laughs> so we went heavy into kettlebell. We stopped barbell training for, I think, like two years, yeah. basically. Um, but we did full kettlebells for that time period. We Not only did we do kettlebells in our training, but we were really trying hard to become kettlebell instructors in that whole kettlebell sphere. Yeah. And so we just went headfirst into learning everything we could about kettlebells, but also attending certifications, attending workshops, and then assisting at these certifications and workshops for free for probably two or three years on top of that. And then finally, we got to be... Um, uh, we got to be lead instructors at a certification in 2015, yeah. which was like, we were like, we made it. We're, we're, yeah. We finally made it as fitness professionals. We can now be proud that we are fitness professionals. <laughs> I think it was something different for us too, whereas like in bodybuilding, we never even really were in that world in terms of like what it means to be a bodybuilder. That was yeah. more just like the way we trained. But then with powerlifting, it was like we could so easily compare ourselves to people who were legit powerlifters and be like, we're just not going to ever be at that level. Like we don't want to, like we don't want we, and like we felt like we physically couldn't train (laughs) that hard. Like it just, there was no way that we could be the best powerlifters. Yeah. But we kind of like felt like we could be the best kettlebell instructors. Yeah, yeah. Or like up there. Up there, not the best. But like we, we just, it, it felt like the first time that we were 
really, really good at something and could perform it well, could coach it well, could teach it well. So like it really did become a lot of our identity at that time as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that also fueled us to be more and more committed to the kettlebell and to this specific type of training. Yeah. And it was funny, like during that time too, it's like a lot of our training for our clients kind of shifted towards more kettlebell lifts and stuff like that. And we started to be like, well, if you power lift, then you like get really stiff and your joints hurt right. and et cetera, et cetera. And like, this is why kettlebell training is better. But we still did keep a lot of powerlifting principles because we really did believe in and still believe in a lot of those. Um, but something that we realized pretty early on was that kettlebell training, like at least the way we were learned and we, we, we were taught were to focus on basically like six lifts. Yeah. It was squat, swing, vertical press, not even a pull. <laughs> I don't think about it. Well, snatch, I guess a clean, clean is kind of like a pull and a snatch is kind of like a pull. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's just not even broken down in the way that we like even think about movement. That's true. But yeah. it's just like the classic kettlebell lifts yes. from Pavel. I mean, we can say it's okay to say the, the organization. <laughs> oh, the organization. It's, it's not like this big secret. <laughs> <laughs> so we were lead instructors for Strong First. Yeah. So it was RKC before we started at RKC. Then we became Strong First instructors when Pavel moved from RKC to Strong First. If you aren't in this world, you have no idea what we're talking about. If you're in this world, you know it's a lot of drama. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, it's fine to say it. We're not. We're no longer involved in the That's organization, true, yeah. but we were for a very long time. It's not something to like hide. Um, so anyway. The, the six like core movements that they teach at the level one certification are the, the squat, the swing, the clean, the snatch, the Turkish getup, and the overhead press, the military yep. press. So those were the six. And quickly, our clients and our members were like, okay, like... You're bored. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else beyond these six? And we were finding it, we we're like, yeah, I mean, how many different combinations of these six movements can we possibly do? It was like exciting for a few months, but now it's like, okay, the same thing over and over again. And so we quickly kind of realized that we couldn't just be solely power, uh, kettlebells the way we were with powerlifting. So we had to have a little bit more of a, a melded approach. But yeah, outside of our clients being bored and us being a little bit bored with like how many ways can we combine a squat and a swing and a snatch, like there were just so many rigid rules around the kettlebell and around what we could do with the kettlebell and who could do what when. Like it was just like very like so structured and so rigid that it did feel very much like mm, restricting in a way. Um, and so we just started to feel like, okay, there's got to be like something more that we can do outside of just these six moves or like the couple advanced movements that there were. And like even, I think I mentioned this on Dre's podcast, but like we were getting to the point where the only option was to just go heavier with some of the moves that we were doing. And I got up to like a very heavy Turkish get up to the point where like, I remember watching the video back. Actually, this is like a, a nice little um, preview of next week. We're going to talk to someone next week about uh, training with hypermobility. And I have pretty hypermobile elbows and I was watching it and I was like, my elbow is going to break. Yeah. Like that kettlebell is so heavy. I'm not built for this. I shouldn't be doing this. Like there should be another way for me to progress outside of lifting, a, doing a Turkish get up with a bell that's like the same as my body weight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were just feeling like, okay, let's explore something new. We're getting bored. We're feeling restricted. Um, and at the same time, this was during when we were running the gym. Yeah. And we were also just feeling just burnt out again <laughs> in a different way, right? Yeah, we had, we were, we were, 
we were gym owners for probably four or five years at that point. And it was being a gym owner is difficult. I mean, being a brick and mortar surface based business owner is a very difficult task. And we were just completely burnt out. And it was really showing up in our training as well. We were just not able to be fully focused. Like, I mean, I was doing emails and customer service inquiries, like all throughout the whole training process. And we were still like trying to get bigger, faster, stronger, like all that sort of stuff. And it just really wasn't working out. And I I, I, I won't speak for you, but I definitely just kind of like lost my love for training yeah. for a while there. It just yeah. felt like totally burnt out. Um, and then we actually brought in an instructor. Um, his name is Danny Camargo. And he was a Team USA coach for USA Weightlifting. And he brought a USA Weightlifting uh, like certification to our, to our gym. And we kind of, again, fell in love with a different sort of uh, lane of fitness. Yeah. And we went pretty hard into Olympic weightlifting for a couple of years there. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was like I was videoing my lifts every day and I was getting better. And it just like really sparked my enjoyment for learning the process again. It wasn't like, oh, here we go again with another kettlebell lift or here we go again with squat bench and deadlift. It was completely new. I couldn't compare numbers to my previous numbers or previous self, nor to anyone else really, because I was still a total beginner and it was a really refreshing process for me. Yeah. And a big difference from kettlebell training, like there were a lot of, cro- there's a lot of crossover, like there's a clean, there's a snatch, but yeah. it's completely different. So totally we had to different. like relearn just complete body mechanics in order to do it with a barbell versus a kettlebell. And, but the, the difference also is that you can go back to those really small increments too of weight increases to yeah. feel like you're making progress. Whereas the kettlebells jump from two, sometimes four kilograms mm. in one, from one belt to the next. So it takes months or years to go up to another bell size. But with Olympic weightlifting, we went back to that feeling with powerlifting that we got of like that constant progress again and feeling like every week we could do something a little bit more more. or a little bit better. And and also with, I mean, you can get this with powerlifting and you definitely get this with with kettlebells, but with Olympic lifting specifically, it was such a skill and there was so much mindfulness that went into it and every single rep you could feel something a little bit different and that was just really special about Olympic lifting. Yeah. And so like sort of like within that time horizon, uh, this was when CrossFit was getting really big and I think that's also what kind of appealed to us about Olympic lifting as well. CrossFit was getting big, powerlifting and bodybuilding both kind of went out of style. (laughs) CrossFitting went up. This is in the early stages of Instagram. CrossFit was the thing to do. And Olympic lifting was a huge part of CrossFit. And so I guess her training has been kind of dictated a little bit by social media. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to think about now. But yeah, I mean, social media is like a way to show what's going on in the general zeitgeist, right? So it's like, yes, is it the chicken or the egg kind of thing? Right, like, right, that's true, <laughs> is yeah. Is it what was going on in the world or was it social media or was it both? <laughs> <laughs> so going along with CrossFit and Olympic lifting, uh, there were a lot of movement-focused stuff too. Like people were starting to get into gymnastics training and then they were also getting into movement and mobility. And because they were doing getting doing CrossFit, they were getting hurt. So they were really focused on all the recovery tools. Mm. And so like Kelly Starrett and his mobility program started to really take into uh uh, be in the limelight and all that. And so we started going into all sorts of different branches. Uh, we learned from Kelly Starrett for a little while. We took original strength for a little while. 
Um, I don't even, there are all so many different subsets of movement and mobility and gymnastics. Gymnastics bodies was yeah, another yeah. one. Like we've done all these sorts of like certifications and programs. And so that brings us to today or not today, I guess, but the beginning of the pandemic 2020, <laughs> which basically feels like today. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so how was it three years ago? It's one long day yeah. so far. <laughs> Everyone can relate. That's one of those things that we're like, like everyone can relate. Yeah. There's not, there's no one out there that's like, what pandemic? Yeah. Um, so anyway, but before we get into exactly where kind of we're at right now and our mindsets around training, I want to give a quick recap of all of that because that was a lot. So we started with bodybuilding. We did that for many years. That was like probably the first five or six years of our personal like training experience. Our first love. Our first love, bodybuilding. Then we dropped it. Like a bad habit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> dropped it like a bad habit. We did not want anything to do with it once we discovered powerlifting. So when we went into powerlifting and sports performance training and functional training, we really were like no more bodybuilding, like really demonized it. We stuck with powerlifting for a long time. And then we moved into kettlebell training. When we moved into kettlebell training, we kept some of the things that we liked about powerlifting. So we still kept the squat, bench, and deadlift. Like we, we still haven't dropped that. Like we still liked those main lifts, but it wasn't the only way we could express our strength or our fitness. Um, moving from kettlebells, then we went into Olympic lifting, mobility training, gymnastics, calisthenics, but we still kept some of the skills that we learned with weightlifting. We still like to keep in, um, use some of the Olympic lifting moves that we learned, this clean, the snatch, the jerk as power development skills in the beginning of our programs. And then that kind of brings us to where we're at today. So we we kind of, besides bodybuilding, we kind of continued to use pieces from each of those stages as we got more um, developed in our overall training life. Yeah. So we kept kind of like the best, at least for our approach, the best of each sort of arena and world. And we kept combining that over and over and over again until this it kind of became this like conglomeration of stuff. Uh, that became our overall methodology. Yeah. And throughout this whole time, there was this whole like in the back of our minds, we had this whole elevated thought process for our training programs because we thought our approach was so functional and more like thoughtful and all that. And we continued to demonize bodybuilding for a while, yeah. right? Like <laughs> just, just being like, this is silly. Like we would do like these presentations for personal trainers and physical therapists and we always kind of like knock on bodybuilding a little bit and be like we were so embarrassed by what we used to do before (laughs) and then in the pandemic and this is still funny because this kind of goes along with the social media theme during the pandemic tiktok got big and tiktok was it kind of like reverted back to old school bodybuilding style stuff and the way tiktok sort of kind of blew up in the fitness realm it was all like body checking followed by here's how to grow your biceps or here's how to get a six pack or here's what I eat in a day. And like this, like that sort of format really blew up on TikTok and it kind of like knocked us back into that sort of like bodybuilding or the social media zeitgeist kind of like got knocked back into bodybuilding. And we were kind of like, oh, that's silly. That's TikTok. That's young stuff, whatever. We're old. (laughs) But then there were creators that went on top of it talking about how to optimize certain bodybuilding lifts in order to elicit greater results. And that kind of like piqued my interest a little bit. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like I never thought about these sort of like old school lifts in this sort of new school way in a way that actually really made sense uh, in a functional 
standpoint. And so I got a little bit more into it and I was like, Lauren, check out this video. Like this kind of makes sense. And that kept snowballing into more and more videos. And I was like, actually, we should probably add some more of this stuff into our program. And we kind of like, as soon as we let one add in, we're like, oh, it's, it's not like we became completely unfunctional and yeah. like our joints like fell apart as soon as we added in one isolation movement. And in fact, it felt awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it felt <laughs> we, so good. We got a pump. Our muscles were getting bigger. Like good things were happening. And so as I was starting to kind of like wrap my head around like incorporating more bodybuilding style workouts into our online program when the pandemic was happening, I was like, you know what? This makes way more sense to include as part of our program, instead of always thinking about functionality and stuff, when you think about functionality and functional training, it's always about big compound movements, movement patterns, not individual muscles. But when you do that, when you do total body training, when you do a lot of these bigger muscle group exercises, it can really wear down on your body. But the only way to get stronger and bigger and faster and all that sort of stuff is to add more volume to your training but if you're only doing it with these big group muscle group and muscle uh, exercises, you're just going to wear down on your body. And so right. I was like, you know what? The only way to continue to get better is by adding more volume of easier lifts, of quote-unquote non-functional lifts. But that in turn helps your functional lifts. Right. And so it becomes this whole self-fulfilling cycle of like you get ex- exposure to all these different modalities and good things happen in all the other modalities. And I feel like that's when it really became full circle when we also started to bring back bodybuilding into our programming. And that's basically our approach today. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so funny. We were like cracking up at ourselves when we were <laughs> doing bicep curls. Yeah, and tricep lateral extensions. raises. Because like, it was like, I don't think I've done this since college. Like yeah. it's been so long since I've even done this lift because I've made so much fun of it and like, you know, talked about how unfunctional it was like all of that stuff for so long that I convinced myself that there was zero benefit to this and now that I'm doing it I'm feeling so good like not even just physically but like loving just incorporating this stuff back into our workouts yeah. and yeah and like you said like my joints were actually feeling really good like I was feeling like at the end of a lift where I incorporated mobility and power and powerlifting and kettlebell training (laughs) (laughs) and functional movements. And then I did some bodybuilding at the end. Everything was feeling amazing. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, You know, especially as we're getting older and especially as we're training just more, again, just general population people who weren't looking to compete on a bodybuilding stage or compete in a powerlifting uh, like stage. And so with this approach, what you want, what you need to understand is that you are not going to be competing at the highest levels in any in of these any categories. Of <laughs> right. um, but if you are someone who is just generally into fitness, this could be a very nice approach for you that will allow you to really enjoy the process of training because you're not limiting your training to two or three or four lifts. You're just enjoying everything that your body is capable of like you're getting strong with the power lifts you're getting jacked with the bodybuilding lifts you're getting more functional with the kettlebell and the olympic lifting side of things and you're getting more athletic with the power development the multiplanar training you're getting injury prevention benefits from all the uh like a posterior chain and all that sort of stuff work and you feel so capable and so like empowered basically and there is that quote of like uh, it's a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. But I actually heard from a TikToker recently that the quote is actually abbreviated. It's a jack of all trades, master of none, 
but a master of not no no, no. <laughs> a jack of all trades is a master of none but a mass hold on <laughs> she's lauren's gonna keep this all in here this is like that george bush thing <laughs> there's an old saying in tennessee i know it's in texas probably in tennessee that says fool me once shame on shame on you It fooled me. We can't get fooled again. No, there's a Biden. Are you talking now about the Biden? Now there's a Biden one. one, yeah. It's so funny. People are like, this is, I, I got so motivated <laughs> so for funny. my workout when I heard this quote. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. All right. I just, I, just, I had to pull it up. <laughs> a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Oh. Is that so interesting? How did you pull it up? You just pulled your phone out of your pocket. Did you save it? I, your... I had it saved. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, like, I got to pull it up. And like, just had it. <laughs> Instantaneously. Just, it's your background now on your phone. <laughs> but that's so crazy. I had no idea. And it used to be like referred to more of as a compliment. Right. Instead of being like, oh, you're just jack of all trades. Um, wow. But isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. And now I feel like, yes, that is actually true, especially in just general health and fitness. Like you want to be able to not only, you know, lift a lot of weight and be able to like help your friends move, but you also want to be able to jump in on a bike ride or a 5K if your friends are doing that or like just be able to like go and play basketball, play football, like just be able to do things that people are doing socially that you can excel at because you've been training for all these sorts of areas of fitness and you can do so uh, in a enhanced way, in a way that you're not afraid you're going to hurt yourself because you've been exposing yourself to all these different stimuli. And I feel like that's really what fitness should be all about. It's to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. But if you want to compete in any of these areas, then yes, you do have to niche down and all that. But yeah. if but even not... Still, I mean, like, Oh, you know, what we were, I was trying to think of what it was that we were watching. It was Hard Knocks. Mm. We were watching, I think it was Hard Knocks, which is like a preseason football um, show on HBO. on HBO. And there was, who was the athlete who's trained by his dad? Oh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. So his dad is a strength coach. He is his strength coach. And he was like, they showed him in the gym <laughs> and they're doing old school, like bodybuilding. Very old school. Very old school. And they had an interview with with the dad and he was like, some of these guys are out there pulling their Achilles, tearing their Achilles. And like, you can tell they've never done a calf raise in their life. <laughs> and we were dying because we were like, we demonize calf raises, right? Yeah. We demonize bicep curls, all these things. And it's like, they have a time and a place. And if you don't do those things, sometimes, even if you're doing the most functional training possible, once you go out there and are doing an explosive movement and you haven't done a calf raise and your body is requiring your calf to be really strong in that moment, and it's not there, you tear your Achilles. Like there are reasons that we should incorporate some of these things outside yeah. of just like, I want my calves to look better. Right, yeah, yeah. Outside of I just want to <laughs> pump. Like it was, I, we were dying. We were laughing so hard because it's so true that, you know, things have started to come full circle. But if those athletes were only doing calf raises and only doing bicep curls, like they wouldn't be explosive. They wouldn't be strong. They wouldn't be able to be out on the field. So it is about incorporating all of it in a really smart way as opposed to picking a camp. Yeah, yeah. And I think we get um, on our RISE program, we get a ton of people that were former CrossFitters or former powerlifters, former Olympic lifters that just got a little bit burnt out. Like they got deep into whatever their camp was. 
but then they got burnt out because they were just focusing on a couple of lifts and trying to push themselves to the upper echelon for these different categories. And it's like, no, you can enjoy the process mm. by incorporating everything. And it just becomes a much more fulfilling thing to just be able to experience all sorts of different um, lanes of fitness. Yeah. And I think, I guess, the difference between us and CrossFit, because CrossFit also kind of like talks about similar things, right? Combining all these different domains of fitness is that we're not necessarily looking to, like CrossFit is a sport in and of itself. So they're always doing things in competition for time, for this like aggressive intensity. And so we're, I guess we're kind of like CrossFit-ish in terms (laughs) of like, (laughs) yeah, in terms of like our, like what we want to cover with our programming, but less of the intensity behind it which makes the training process a lot more fun yeah in uh in our eyes yeah yeah and i mean for a traditional it's it's funny when you think about crossfit now there's like two different ways to really think about it there's the sport and there's the the gym mm. right like because there are crossfit gyms and they do wads so they do work out of the day where it's always changing it's always different every single That's day true. you go in and you get a different workout and the people who actually compete in CrossFit, they don't train like that. Yeah. They actually train on programs and they use progressive overload and they do, you know, they make they make it so that they each week they're developing a specific skill a little bit more. So it is actually very different. That's like CrossFit true. the yeah. sport is very different from CrossFit the workout that general the general public actually gets. Mm. Um, I think that's something to note as well is that we are more, I guess you could compare our methodology more to CrossFit the sport yeah. where it's like it's more thought out. It's more um, like planned out, I should say. Yeah, it's more in the sports performance realm, which we yeah. had adopted early on. Yeah. And yeah, whereas as CrossFit, the the wad style workouts is more about um, really intense, but but random. always random. Yeah, and that's like literally what they're no. I'm not like saying that as an insult. <laughs> it's like what they are like specialize in is like random workouts of the day. Yeah, um, and so that's just how I, I would say that's how it's actually pretty drastically that's true, different. Yeah, I totally forgot about that whole aspect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that basically leads us to where we are today. And hopefully that kind of whole trajectory can give you some insight into like how, if you're a RISE member, especially like how we've kind of come together to build this program. And also if you are just like someone, someone who follows us on Instagram or listens to the podcast, like how we've come up with our content and general approach. Yeah. And we're really grateful for each of those steps that we took along the way, um, you know, like we and we really enjoyed learning each one of those things. Um, but it would be nice to have been able to just like learn them as a collective holistic approach. Right. Like yeah. we didn't need to spend years trying to get for me like a 300 pound deadlift that I never got. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like we didn't need to do that. Like I, I can't tell you how many times I deadlifted 275 and then failed at 280. <laughs> and like how annoying was that to do over and over again when in the grand scheme of things, who cares? It doesn't matter, <laughs> but it mattered so much to me. So like if I had been able to enjoy the benefits of getting stronger and lifting heavy, without feeling the pressure to get to the next level all the time in that specific thing where I wasn't necessarily competing or trying to do anything spectacular. It was just like a personal vendetta against myself. (laughs) It would have been a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So for those listening, if you are 
newly getting into one of these things, we're not saying like, don't do it. It's bad for you. Like all of these things are great. And if, and, and a lot of them do take some dedicated time to learn them. So, you know, if you really want to get into kettlebells, like go take a, you know, go take some kettlebell classes, go learn from a kettlebell instructor. Like all that is good. But if you allow yourself to get so sucked into it that you forget about all the other options out there, all the other ways that you can move and train your body, then it does get a little bit restricting and you might be neglecting areas of your fitness that you're not even meaning to. But because you get so sucked into a specific modality, that does tend to happen. Yeah. And for those of you who have been like, oh, wow, these guys are so great. Like they're so not dogmatic. It's actually because we've been very dogmatic <laughs> at different stages in our lives. But we have been in this for so long that we've kind of been able to undogma ourselves. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's about it for today. Yeah. So next week, we will be back with the interview style we're going to be doing um, with our interviews. We're going to be switching it up just a tiny bit. We love switching it up. We love just <laughs> always doing new things. Um, but it's because we're taking in your feedback and we're making sure that we're making this as good of a podcast as we can for you. So we want to have the episode be on a specific topic and then bring in an expert who's going to expand on that topic, be able to speak more on that topic. So next week's episode is going to be about specific training considerations depending on things that you might have going on in your body. So the experts that we're bringing in are going to talk about hypermobility, which is something that a lot of people um, do deal with. We get messages about that all the time. We know a little bit about it, but they are true experts. They both experience hypermobility themselves, and they're going to talk to us about how to train and work around that. Um, but the, the episode as a whole is going to be just about specific things that might be going on for you that might mean that you train outside of the norm or you train a little bit differently and how you can take a more sort of like individual and personal approach to your training in that way. Yeah. If you enjoy this podcast, if you could leave us a rating and review on whichever streaming platform you pursue, Subscribe to, I was going to say prescribe to, <laughs> subscribe to, that would be awesome. And if you could follow us at Reasonably Fit Pod on Instagram, that would be amazing as well. And you know, it's funny, this whole podcast has just come full circle with that sort of message you put out of we're having this sort of like hybrid podcasting approach, right? <laughs> Where we're incorporating elements of interviews and also elements of our solo style and having it be informative. That's just basically our trajectory in a nutshell. In a nutshell, but it's happened within uh, 30 episodes instead of within 15 years. <laughs> we're learning, we're learning. <laughs> we learn faster these days and <laughs> we have less time. <laughs> All, right, All right, so that's about it. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. Woo!